This is Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and I'm speaking now with Tomas Garibaldi of Bel Air Investment Advisors. It's a large wealth management firm in Los Angeles, California, managing $7 billion in assets with 350 high net worth clients, and I'm told that the client minimum is $20 million in investable assets. Tomas, that's a fairly high threshold. How did Bel Air's clients attain that level of wealth? It depends on who you ask. You have certain legacy clients that are fourth generation, right? Their families were one of the wealthiest families on the planet, depending on where you priced the barrel of oil that day. And then you have people that are just building businesses uh, over the last couple of years and being very, very successful and having their liquidity events and they need to turn over to a financial advisor. Um, and you also have a couple of foundations that help skew those numbers, right? You have wealthy people that donated money and over time, these boards have been able to grow, grow the assets and that's, that's kind of how we end up with clients from that direction on the institutional front. But as far as business is concerned, uh, people tend to become wealthy because they've created something and they've sold it. And then they want somewhere they can sleep at night, and that's why they go to a financial advisor. It's a lot of money to, to entrust to a financial advisor. And, and the flip side of that is how, do, how does a financial advisor such as yourself earn the trust of these multimillionaires? Step one is, okay, your assets will be somewhere safe. Right, where we can't have complete authority just to send money uh, externally or any third party. So that makes you have a level of comfort. And then it's performance. You know, I'm, I'm going to entrust my money to somewhere where I'm going to be paying a fee. And what benefit am I going to have versus doing it on my own? And you interview. You go out and interview. It's like hiring a family office, right? And you're hiring a unique set of people that are knowledgeable that you get along with because you're going to be speaking with them directly, right? There's no 1-800 number here. You're, you call your advisor and your team directly. And then it's, it's being comfortable with, you know, the type of risks that they'll take and to help you achieve your goals. So it's all, it's all a big conversation. Um, it's almost like going to see a psychologist every once in a while. That's how we feel. We feel like we're a quarterback in the family psychology of money. What, where, what do we need to do exactly to get them where they're happy? You hire a financial budget so you can sleep at night. It's stressful to be in charge of not losing the money that you've already made, right? That's that's probably what keeps up a client at night is you know, making right, thoughtful decisions for my family and our legacy. From my experience, the uh, ability to sleep well at night is definitely one of the key reasons why somebody would want to see a financial advisor. And one of the key reasons why somebody wouldn't want to see a financial advisor is the fees, which you mentioned earlier. That's, that comes up all the time when these matters are discussed on Seeking Alpha. So yes. what kind of fees do you charge at the Bel Air Investment Advisors, and how are those justified? Always ask to see all of the fees, even not just the advisory fee. Figure out how your manager is making money, what kind of funds he's buying, are the funds paying them back in any type of fee format? Are they taking any placement fees when they put them into private investments, um, private equity, whatever it is? Are they charging them fees on committed capital, right, versus called capital? Are they, are they taking spreads from their bond purchases? These are fees that are embedded um, any large shop you go to um, or any independent advisor can hide fees in other ways as well. So really do your due diligence on the client side. Our fee is very simple. It's a fee based on assets. Um, it usually falls in the bar ballpark, you know, half a percent blended together um, because you do charge different prices for different asset classes. 
but it's very, very, very simple, and that's the way I like to keep it. When I make presentations to potential clients, we like to drill down into all the fees. It's not something you want to lose the business over, and especially not at these levels where people are very, very uh, attentive to what they're paying. Half a percent on $100 million is a lot of money to give to write a check to somebody every year. And for that uh, 50 basis points, what are Bel Air clients getting that plebe investors aren't getting from their wealth management experience? That's, that's a good question. Here you're getting 60 employees, uh, 60 people that spend all their life day in, day out in the capital markets in some, in some regard, right? Our investment decisions really stem from a full-time research team. You're also paying to have a group of people that are willing to work with your accountants, your, your attorneys, um, your business managers, whoever it is in your, in your life that, that, that we've kind of, you've kind of built a quasi-family office, right, coming to us. Uh, and utilizing our network and the people that our clients use. So it's all, it's all, uh, there's a very intangible effect to hiring a financial advisor and, and kind of at the levels that we're at that I feel like is not taking into consideration a lot. But obviously, we, where we spend the money, we like to invest in technology. We like to invest in hiring better people. That's where the fee goes uh, at the end of the day. Maybe you could give us a scenario where you made a difference. We had a client that we lost because he thought our fees were too high. And this was a couple of years ago. They were shopping for an advisor, and they decided to go with a really well-known large bracket firm where they proceeded to only invest them in, in corporate bonds and municipal bonds. So let me fast forward to a, you know, a year or two later. They, they, they're not very happy with the performance. They're not happy with their management shop, and they're doing the due diligence process again, meeting with former potential investment advisors and that sort of thing. They came back to us, and they said, okay, here's our current portfolio. What have we done wrong? This is something that most people don't know. When you buy, especially municipal bonds, these trades are tracked publicly. Uh, there's a website called emma.org where I think they post most of the trades that occur in municipal bond markets. So we're able to take a portfolio with you know, 20 million or so in bonds. And we were able to see, not only just in the transaction summaries, they put all the money to work on day one that they received the money. So that to us is is a signal of an investment advisor who's not being very thoughtful of the current market conditions. They just want to get something on fee, which is a big alarm in our head. You don't, you don't put money just to put money to work. You, there's a reason why you're making an investment at what point in time you're making an investment, right? Well, they put the money to work immediately, all in longer dated bonds. So their duration, um, to, to put it this way, their duration was about three times our duration that we're managing in the municipal bond markets because our duration is around two years hovering around that space. They were investing, I think their average duration was about seven years out in the market. So they're taking on three times the interest rate risk based on a duration. And they were investing at very similar yields to what we were able to achieve in the market. So that is a red alarm saying, okay, this company, maybe they charge low advisory fees, but they're making their fee somewhere else and they're making the fee on the spread that they're taking out of municipal bonds when they're placing the trades. So, What's wonderful is that we're able to see that information clearly online. So we can take the trade date, we can take the actual you know, cost that they paid and see the quantity that was traded, what it was paid for at the broker dealer and what it was given to the client. And some of these spreads were you know, one to 2% of the overall um, price of the bond, meaning that they, they reduced their cash flow by 15, you know, some cases 20% versus what we were, were able to get to them by taking on much less risk on the uh, maturity side. So this is a situation where a client will have no idea, you know, what that bond should have been trading at that day. They have the ability to see 
but it's very hard for them to analyze, you know, how it's hurting their potential, their outcome, everything. So for us, that is a major win when we can really say, you had an advisor who just sold something that the bank was telling him to sell, and he wasn't thinking for himself. Perhaps you could talk to us about um, some of the unforced mistakes that people in investor oh. land typically make. We have a scenario with one client who's, you know, he's got over $200 million in liquid assets, and he is paralyzed from making an investment decision every single year because every year sounds like it's going to be the end of the world, right? <laughs> Take a snapshot of, you know, what you see in the news today. You have a president who's under investigation in Russia. You have uh, trade barriers that we're, that we're going to announce more tariffs to China, right? This is a all headline type geopolitical risk that scares anyone to death, right? Especially if their business in the past has been exporting, uh, you know, commodities, right? They know what tariffs can do. So they're scared to death that it's going to bleed into the overall markets and they won't make an investment decision. But this decision, this, the, the reason not to invest this year is different from the reason not to invest last year. He can't sleep at night. He can't sleep at night with a decision that he's trying to make. And he'll invest in a fund. That fund will be liquidated, you know, the next month. At a, at a major discount because he's not, no longer comfortable with what they're doing and he has, the, he has the inability to stick to an investment. This is obviously eating away at his principal and uh, it's a shame. And so he hires people like us to try to pull him away from himself. You, you hire financial advisors to be able to pull away the emotion because we, obviously advisors ourselves have emotional responses to the market where I mean, I'm entrusted with about two and a half billion of assets for the firm. And I, I need to fall asleep knowing that the assets are safe. So I, I spend all of my day in life worrying about the markets. And I think most people shouldn't be. They should be enjoying their life, enjoying you know, everything that they've built, and uh, making the world a better place for others as well, and not spending the time focusing on the day-to-day -day fluctuations in their portfolios. Let us worry about that. It occurs to me that since you're in L.A. and you're, you have a lot, of, uh, a lot of assets under management, you probably have some celebrity clients. Is that fair to say? I would say that's very fair to say, um, although I would love to tell you who they are. I, I can't, uh, which is why, they, you know, why they, they have people like us, because we, we really value you know, confidentiality. But I can tell you there's an there's a interesting aspect of managing assets for celebrities. Um, number one is that they're human, right? They're absolutely human, and you start to realize that after living in Los Angeles for a while. Um, <laughs> They're, they're just like us. They think about their investments. They think about their lives. They, they think about their families. They think about their legacy, right? And they're very, very much involved, especially the, you know, the older Hollywood-type celebrities that have been wildly successful, you know, the A-lister. Um, they have a very, very high market IQ, and it's always fascinating to me. When I started working here about four years ago, I moved from Texas. Um, I didn't have any celebrity clients, at least not celebrities that you would know, right, here in California. So... Um, the ones here, I, I would answer the call, and they they want to place a trade, and they were they were tra actively tracking their investment portfolios and and what was happening in the markets. Um, they understand their options, right? And they are some of the most involved investors I've ever had to deal with. And you know, it's an absolute pleasure answering their calls. Um, but are yeah, the younger ones still uh, like like smashing up their hotel rooms and <laughs> throwing bottles younger, out of the window? The younger ones, uh, their spending habits, they have to discuss with their business managers is all I'm going to say. But uh, we, we love working with them. So that's the, I don't know too much about smashing you know, windows in hotels or, or those types of things. Right. A lot, a lot of young, very wealthy people end up in bankruptcy because they 
don't know how to control their spending, presumably you could help them avoid that problem. The best way to, 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 to avoid that problem is to show them on a line graph their spending, how that increases over time with inflation, and what, that, what kind of pressure that does to the money that they've made so far. And if you show that, that line you know, ending in 10 years, I think it really causes a, a jolt to, to behavior. Um, that's something that we've had to do very often. Right. I think most people have solid teams built around them to protect them from themselves. So this is uh, this isn't this isn't an aspect that we we get into every day. I think most of our clients they have enough money to spend. I mean, we all have enough money to spend. Thank you very much for your time, Tomas Garibaldi of Bel Air Investment Advisors. This is Seeking Alphas, Gil Weinrich. Thank you, Gil.